And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. I'll tell you what, we've got a great show for you planned tonight. Be on, uh, just be ready. Paul McGuire on fire. Paul McGuire on fire tonight. Folks, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Go to HagmanandHagman.com. The Hagman, or I'm sorry, it's the place for show information, to watch the show, show information. And of course, HagmanReport.com for news and information articles of of extreme interest and relevance. HagmanReport.com. Glad to be again. Glad to be coming at you tonight. Uh, something uh, Doug and Joe Hagman. I'm Doug Hagman with my son Phil Investigator Joe Hagman. Something I like to call America's premier father son investigative reporting team. Again, what a great show lined up for you with Paul McGuire, author. You know, we just we we just got his book and uh, his new book. Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017. What a great read. Uh, it's just fantastic. And, and we're going to be talking a lot about this tonight. How I many people uh, caught the um, uh, Hillary and uh, Trump question and answer session last night? That's rather interesting, right? A lot of backlash and commentary and uh, interesting stuff going on with that. Now we're talking about an ear pearl. <clears throat> ear yeah. pearl, yeah. And NYPD actually confirmed that Clinton was wearing an invisible earpiece. Well, during the live town hall meeting that they had last night, and it's interesting too. I I, I don't know, Joe. It's interesting when we get into this. You, you see, you see people saying, "Well, don't oh, don't focus on that. Don't focus on that. It's everything that you know. Don't focus on the cough or her health. Don't focus on the earpiece. It's all a distraction. And pretty soon, there's nothing but distractions, and uh, you're left with nothing to talk about you know talk about the issues talk about the uh, substance well y- yeah that too that too all of it is relevant and uh, it's it's just amazing what we see taking place folks i want to draw your attention portions of well this broadcast brought to you by ziprecruiter.com now this is a message to all the small businesses big businesses business people out there looking to hire even if you're just one person looking to hire maybe that nanny, maybe maybe that executive officer, maybe somebody to handle your accounts payable, whatever it might be, or accounts receivable, whatever. If you're hiring, do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? ZipRecruiter.com. Folks, posting your job at one place isn't it uh, isn't enough to find quality candidates. No, no, no. You've got to, if you want to find the perfect hire, folks, you need to post your job on all the top websites, all the top sites. And now you can. It's never been easier with ZipRecruiter. That's right, ZipRecruiter.com. You can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including the social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, with just a single click. It's never been easier. I I, I, I know two two individuals who have actually used ZipRecruiter, two business owners, one of a very large business and another, well, on the opposite end of the spectrum, a smaller business. Both found candidates in their respective cities. More on this later, but 
right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. Again, more on that later. More in this job market. You want to have your resume out in as many places as you can get it if you're looking for work. This is definitely an avenue you want to use. Well, you know, the people that... uh, and, and, and the businesses that are looking for the, the hires, this may, uh, folks, this, the businesses who are looking for the best candidate, when you're hiring people, you can find candidates in, in your city, anywhere, nationwide. And, and there's no juggling emails, no calls to your office. The, you quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire just the right person very fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is welcomed by so many business people out there. And uh, we we, uh, we we endorse them uh, and know people have used ZipRecruiter with great success. Again, Paul McGuire is our guest tonight. Coming on, well, he's on deck right now. Joe, go ahead. And, yeah, he's ready to go. His latest book, Paul McGuire, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017. Folks, also check out the Paul McGuire Report. It's a radio show you can listen to live each weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio. Again, the links are in the bottom of the, underneath the video to his website and to the radio show. And that's the Paul McGuire Report, 4 to 6 p.m. Definitely bookmark that or uh, subscribe to the podcast where where you can. Paul, it's great to have you back on the show. Gentlemen, it's great to be back on the show, and I'm laughing only because <laughs> I, uh, I I prepared this uh, article for you to, to, to post up on your website, and uh, I saved it, but I forgot the, the name that I saved it under. So I'm <laughs> thousands of articles, but I will have it to you, and I'll have All it right. up to you. Uh, um, it was written specifically for this program, and I just have to find it, and I will find it, so <clears throat> you'll be uh, getting it sent to you. And that's usually a good thing, though. It, it's amazing to me that, like, um, uh, you know, when I speak at conferences and stuff, I th- in fact, uh, the conference where uh, we were all together and spent some time together uh, doing interviews and stuff, um, I think it was in Orlando, right? Was it in Orlando? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's where we spent the majority of our time. Yes, Orlando was the time that yeah. we spent. Yeah, uh, because yeah. because at, was it Orlando where you had the, when when you interviewed me? It was, I felt I was on the set of Close Encounters of the Third Kind with the with the giant <laughs> sun. Yes, <laughs> that was in Orlando. That was really just just so your listeners will know. Oh, that was a weird conference. I mean, it was a great conference, but it, but it was weird for me because I I taped. I believe was I, I was taping the uh, Apocalypse and the End Times shows, right? Yeah, you were you were yes. doing some taping of your own. Okay, yeah, it, it, oh. retina burn, by the way, retina burn. It, it, those lights <laughs> went right through our retinas. We couldn't see for like a week afterwards. You know, <laughs> so, so um, I I I spoke at the conference. I was interviewed by you guys at the conference. But then, in a three-day period, I taped uh, like uh, 34 or 35 30-minute TV shows of, of, of Apocalypse in the End Times, you know, the God TV shows. And so, like, I was, like, uh, exhausted. And then uh, your thing was really a relief because I was, I, I was really studying my notes for the conference, and whenever that happens, I mean, really, it's inevitable. I go over my notes. I, I, you know, I'm just like meticulous, 
And I don't think almost most of the time I never use the notes. The minute I get to the podium, the notes go out the window. I don't even know why I bother doing the notes. So like I said, it's usually a good thing when these things happen um, because then stuff comes fresh. But back to your uh, interview. Uh, it was a great interview, and I, it was great meeting your audience, as I told you uh, a while back. But those lights, man, were so bright. And so we were staring out into the audience. I couldn't see anything but these giant square lights. So uh, that was fun, though. Where, you know, I enjoyed it. It was fun. And you know, we, we have many versions of, of those lights here in our studio, I think. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. Yeah. We got six of them, and they're uh, about a tenth the size of those big ones, but they're the uh, very bright ones. <clears throat> But they, they're yeah. set up in a way where they kind of shield our eyes, and there's uh, Eric's got it nicely set up. It's not so blinding. Well, one thing I want to uh, add on to what you just said, the, uh, um, you know, this, I would say that, I mean, the purpose of this is not to make a partisan comment, because I would say this regarding any politician, and that was, you know, that was a, basically a debate, I mean, it wasn't the official debate, but it was a debate. And, you know, that's like having a cheat sheet um, when you're taking an exam in school. You know, you, you, you pull out a piece of paper that, that you're hiding with a cheat sheet. But that, this is even worse because you've got who knows how many researchers uh, ready to feed you questions uh, through the earpiece that you have hidden in your ear and so that gives you a very, very unfair advantage over your political opponent. That would be the equivalent of, uh, you know, having a swimming meet at the Olympics and one athlete is allowed to take uh, uh, steroids and all these super, you know, super, super uh, performance-enhancing drugs and he wins, you know, all the gold medals, but he's like, you know, the bionic man. He's charged up on all kinds of uh, really powerful stuff. Well, that's, that's not a fair competition. So the idea that two political candidates can debate and one has, she's not really debating by herself. She's got a team of experts that are feeding her questions to, to uh, uh, debate uh, the other uh, uh, politician. So uh, Trump is in actuality not just debating one person, he's debating a team through that earpiece. That's an unfair advantage. And that would be an unfair advantage if uh, a Republican was to do that, if Trump was to do it. I mean, that should not be allowed. I mean, that should be not allowed in any debate um, and the media should challenge somebody on it because it's unfair. Because because the person who's getting up there answering the questions, uh, and let's say they sound intelligent, and man, they seem to have this amazing recall of all kinds of facts and data and statistics, and and the vast majority of Americans go, wow, this person really is qualified. They really know their stuff, but it's a complete falsehood because it's being fed to them through an earpiece. And, well, and that, go ahead. You know what, you know what, Paul? Uh, it's it's interesting because we get excoriated and spanked for even asking the question, raising the issue. Was that, you know, was that an earpiece or was that just, uh, you know, uh, uh, a shiny ear, for instance? But remember who, back who, in two thousand. Who, who, who would wait? Who would say that to you? It's a matter of record 
the police um, uh, the police issued a report saying it was a technological earpiece. So that's not even a matter of dispute. Who would challenge well, you on that? Well, there there are many people out there that will send emails or say you can't you can't say that because it's really not. Um, you know, it was the camera angle. It was the, well, uh, the was shiny. Yeah, I, I, hey, I saw the picture, brother. Man, I I look. I'm right there with you, but but remember back in 2004, uh, George Bush had that uh, uh, strange-looking uh, uh, square with a line down. The, I mean, you, it was very visible in the 2004 debates. Uh, wait, wait, I didn't know. He he had a earpiece too. Uh, no, no, not not an earpiece, but people were questioning. Uh, the media was just hounding him back in 2004. I, I can't remember if people re- remember this, how the media hounded him. Um, there was a square, uh, not an indentation, but a, um, kind of like a ridge on his back, and it looked like a, a wire, a pretty thick wire coming down from that. It would be like a UHF antenna almost, um, right. it, it seemed like, and, and a wire coming down from that. But, man, pictures were, were are being floated on various websites now saying, hey, uh, Bush, you know, had something apparently, you know, in his back. Um, but the media was like right on that. And now today the media is just slamming anyone who would suggest that she had an earpiece, even though, as you stated, NYPD, yeah, yeah, it's a matter of record. And this also begs a question. There's an, an unclassified email that was released by WikiLeaks where Huma Abedin uh, sent an email to Hillary Clinton on September 24, two, 2009, asking, did you take your earpiece or do I need to get it? which other people are asking, <clears throat> is this earpiece or has this earpiece been used in the past, uh, specifically from her testimony on Benghazi to the missing email uh, scandal? And is this the, you know is this one of the many times that she's used this in a public forum or in a hearing forum, um, or is this the first time? So there are a lot of questions about what's going on with the earpiece and who was feeding her the information. But as you said, Paul, the NYPD has confirmed that it's a, it was a piece of stealth communication. It was a stealth earpiece that uh, operates on a bandwidth from 300 hertz to 400, uh, 4 kilohertz. And, and Paul, one last thing. We use those, not we, well, uh, the, um, not these ones. The, the, the DOJ under the under, undercover operations of the, uh, um, I've seen those in use, but you're talking about two generations ago in terms of technology. But, uh, yeah, the, the, I don't think anyone can deny that's use. But go ahead, sir. Well, yeah, and, and, and the issue here is not, this is not a partisan issue. This is not like, um, um, you know, trying to show favoritism or attack one party over another. That, that there should be a rule that would apply to both Republicans and Democrats to, to apply to Trump and Hillary or anybody who runs that you're not allowed to use an earpiece because it gives you an unfair advantage. It's not you. I mean, I don't understand why anybody would be criticizing you because if the shoe was on the other foot, it would be giving, let's say Trump was using this earpiece, it gives him an unfair advantage. So you're not really having a debate between the two candidates. You're having a debate between one candidate and a team of people uh, of which one person is feeding advice and knowledge and statistics and data through an earpiece that makes that candidate look better than they really are. And, and, and that, that rule should be applied to Republicans and, uh, uh, con- uh, uh Republicans and, Dem- and Democrats. I remember when, uh, 
uh, I was first doing uh, my original radio show, the Paul McGuire Show from uh, L.A., and it was you know it was a live interactive talk show, and uh, the the internet technologies when we first started the show because the show ran for ten years were were, were just starting to take off, and uh, I would get these callers and. Uh, um, they would be using uh, uh, their search engines, and they sounded like geniuses. And it, and it took me a little while to to realize that they weren't geniuses at all. They were simply cheating with their internet. And then there were other radio talk shows in the market, some of them Christians, who pretended to be Bible experts. And so they would sound very eloquent. They they knew you know Greek, Hebrew. They they knew everything about every single verse. But the reality is they didn't know anything about anything, and they were being they had uh, a team uh, in the studio with them that fed uh, him the information uh, with computers and everything else. And that's 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 you know that's 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 a, a fictitious way of doing things. I remember when I did a lot of debates on Fox News Network, Fox Business Channel, CNN, and uh, you know, you, you you often see uh, like Hannity or whatever. It, they're more conspicuous earpieces. They're not like hidden, and you see them on most of the news networks. And uh, you're given directions by a director in the other room. Of, of course, they're not feeding you answers and they're not telling you what to do, or at least they weren't doing that to me. But they'll say, look into this camera or look into that camera and, uh, you know, we'll be back in a break in a couple of minutes or we'll go to you, you know, in the next segment, we'll, we'll, we'll start with you asking the question to you. And so you have to look in the camera, act natural and normal, carry on a debate or whatever, but at the same time, uh, somebody's, you know, talking to you. And, uh, that of course there's nothing wrong with, but, but, uh, this is called cheating. I mean, that's what it is. It's cheating. You couldn't do that in any place. Can, can you imagine somebody doing that in the courtroom? No. And, uh, I mean, the question still has to be asked. I mean, how much does she use this earpiece, and um, has it been used in the past? And yeah. I couldn't imagine if she had it, you know, throughout her email scandal testimony, not that it would have mattered with the outcome or the Benghazi testimony. But who knows how often that that is there, just for the, that purpose, um, yeah, to right. encourage her to feed her information and to uh, give and, her an advantage, as and, you said. And in addition to the deceptive use of an earpiece, too, you know, for the comment that she made as well about no American lives lost in Benghazi. Now, I'm not sure, exactly sure what the the exact quote was. Uh, or in Libya, I shouldn't say Benghazi, but in Libya, uh, to, to, to make that statement and to have that statement go unchallenged is despicable, considering the fact that, um, the, the compound, the CIA compound in Benghazi was attacked on the anniversary of 9-11, and of course she blamed that, that uh, obscure internet video, and, um, uh, it's it just, it's just ridiculous. But, but, but to have her statement about Libya, go unchallenged as well as deceptive as well. And the media runs with it. Paul, what the heck? I mean, the media is just given given her complete, I don't know, insulation. Well, we have uh, um, an Orwellian media. It's just like uh, George Orwell's novel, 1984, except it happened later than 1984. 
And as most of your listeners know, in uh, 1984, it was a, t- a totalitarian society run by Big Brother, and uh, uh, the thought police controlled your thoughts. The media was totally controlled. It was totally propagandistic. They had these mind control slogans like freedom is slavery, uh, um, you know, uh, and, and other odd things, uh, you know, t- 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 twisting statements that meant the, op- uh, the opposite. And uh, the totally controlled society was totally controlled based on this all-powerful media that also regulated people's thoughts. And Big Brother, of course. Now, here's the irony. 1984, I forgot when it was written. It was written a long time ago, a long time ago. Uh, I believe it was written in the 40s. 48. 48. That's what I thought. I was afraid to say it. But, yeah, 48, okay? So he wrote that in 1948, and he predicted um, um, a totalitarian society where the common people were being spied on through their television sets. So, so in 1948, uh, a big part of his novel was a totalitarian government, Big Brother, because that the, the, that expression, Big Brother is watching you, you know, that comes out of 1984, and Big Brother was watching people through their television screen. And, and, and that was like, you know, it was eerie and scary and it seemed very, very futuristic. I, you know, I, I've said this probably countless times in your program. I read the book in third grade and it's the kind of book that, I, that you read, and even in third grade, it, it gripped me. But, but, um, I realized before, it, before it came out publicly, um, I realized about uh, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I realized that just on the basis, and I'm obviously not a scientist, but just on the basis of connecting the dots, um, I believe very strongly, and I didn't say anything about it because I didn't want to be attacked for being like a wacko paranoid conspiracy theorist, you know, with multiple tinfoil hats, Um, but I firmly believed that um, surveillance technology had arrived at the place that uh, we were being uh, spied upon through the television set and uh, through other devices. And I kept my mouth shut because, you know, there's certain things that you, you, you deduce and you're convinced that you know, but uh, you, you can't say it because if it's too, if you say it too early on, they'll just think you're completely crazy. So, um, you know, I then, uh, about five years ago or six years ago, I started bringing it up and writing about it in my books and people thought, you know, I was crazy anyway. But then, as you know, with this newest generation of flat screen TVs, the ones that started to be released about a year and a half ago, and there was the big push. First, there was the big push to move to digital screens to begin with, which was conspicuous. But then there was a second push to get the latest um, technological versions of the flat screen TVs and uh, 
there was a big change in the way they were constructed uh, that they were released about a year and a half ago. And um, the change was, and, and this was played out on many local news channels as, as well as network channels, uh, they, they proved that people were under surveillance while they were watching uh, these new model of flat screen TVs because hackers uh, across the country had broken in and uh, they were uh, airing uh, on the Internet. Um, um, they were spying on people. They hacked into it, and they were spying on people through the people's television sets in their bedrooms, in their living room. And sometimes it was humorous, and sometimes it was, uh, you know, like X-rated stuff in the bedroom. And uh, it was proof that that those televisions had the capability of of surveillance. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of technology out there uh, that does all kinds of things. Now, I'm going to throw something out. Uh, I'm going to throw it out in a question mark, and I know you know, will know why I'm doing it, but what do you think about, you know, when there's a, a, a presidential presidential election or you know, a, a big political speech or debate or whatever, the stakes are very very high for both sides, and the stakes are very very high in the primaries, not just the the actual debates between uh, uh, the Democrats and the Republicans. The debates between the Republicans and the Republicans and the Democrats and Democrats are very high. Now, what do you think about the possibility of Let's just say hypothetically there's a bunch of candidates sharing the stage and debating. And all of a sudden, one candidate gets up who in every other debate has been relatively articulate and, and is known as a fairly good debater and handles himself well on the debate stage. But all of a sudden, you're looking at him, and his facial countenance is very strange. He looks very, he looks unusually disoriented, unusually disoriented, because people try to be, you know, in, in, in a state of focus where, when they're on the debates. So this particular candidate uses, uh, looks unusually disoriented. Paul. Yeah. Okay, Paul, can you hold that thought? We are up against sure. the break. Right. We'll Interesting. Hit, we'll, we'll touch on this right that. on the other side. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report with our special guest tonight, Mr. Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.us. with our special guest, Mr. Paul McGuire. Visit his website, paulmcguire.us, and his radio show, The Paul McGuire Report, right on Blog Talk Radio. You can get the link from his website or underneath the uh, YouTube video or the Blog Talk description, or just go to paulmcguire.us. Before the break, Paul, you were explaining a, a situation in which a, a political uh, candidate was in, in a debate, and he stood up, and his countenance changes, and, and you were just starting to get into the good parts when we cut the break. So I'm going to turn it back over to you. 
Yeah, it's a hypothetical situation. So, like, we're imagining we're watching a, a political debate, <clears throat> and um, I'm giving you uh, an account of, of what we're looking at. So, this political candidate with the other members of his political party is up there. It's his turn to speak in the debate. He, this candidate has a track record of being very good debater and always being composed on the stage. <clears throat> but his countenance looks, he looks disoriented and confused uh, in his facial countenance. And then as he begins to speak, <clears throat> uh, there's, there's something unusual about the way he's speaking. You can't put your finger on it. Uh, he can't seem to remember his thoughts. Uh, it, it's subtle, but it's not subtle. I mean, it's subtle. It's, su- it's subtle to the extent that a lot of people uh, would probably just say, oh, he's having a bad day or didn't get a good night's sleep. It would be on that level of disorientation and that, or, you know, he had a fight with his wife before he got out on the stage. It would be on that level of disorientation. And so when he tries to speak, instead of being as fluid with his language like he normally is, he can't quite remember things. Uh, he's disoriented and, and, and he seems muddled and confused. And so his, his effectiveness in, in making his presentation is reduced by about 75%. And, and he has a very, he has a very bad showing and his ratings plunge after this debate. Now, hypothetically speaking, we exist in a world with, with, uh, science and technologies, as I've said in it's a constant theme in all of my books, but we exist in a world with constant technologies that are anywhere from whatever people think in terms of the technologies that are available and the sciences that are available um, or whatever they see on TV, we're about 100 to 200 years um, more advanced in our technology and science, 100 to 200 years more advanced in the future. So, so, so the technologies and sciences that are made public are, are the ones that have been around for a while. But the technologies and sciences that, that are very effective for all kinds of things are secret. They've not, they have not been revealed to the public. Uh, the, the ideas about them may have been revealed in science fiction movies and stuff, but the average person is convinced this is still in the world of science fiction and maybe it'll come into reality in a hundred years. So, <clears throat> there's a low level of awareness among political candidates on both sides of the fence. There's a low level of awareness, uh, with their teams, you know, the people that are helping them write, prepare their security teams. Uh, on both sides of the political fence, they have a low level awareness of what exactly is possible. So let's say then hypothetically that this disorientation and very poor verbal performance and, and his ability to remember and string his thoughts together logically is very poor. And then we ask the question, is it because he had a bad night's sleep? Uh, did he just have a bad day? Did he have a fight with his wife? Was he depressed? Um, well, all of those things could be true. Or 
Was he secretly subjected to any of the following? Uh, could an EMF uh, brainwave uh, have been aimed towards him? And that EMF brainwave could have been aimed towards him uh, from something that nobody would suspect, like a laptop, a cell phone, or whatever, or something installed uh, uh, aimed at the debate stage during construction. You know, it could, be, it could be hidden in any kind of things. And it would be undetected because nobody would be looking for it. So if you're be and then and if you're beaming and focusing this 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 sound wave which cannot be it's not audible to the human ear, but that particular frequency of, of sound waves like you got alpha, beta, delta, theta, and gamma, and a lot of these things you can't hear with the human ear ear, but those those EMA F waves, brain waves, uh, can cause severe uh, 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 cognitive impairment, um, lack of memory, confusion, disorientation. So, is it possible that he was subjected to an EMF wave? Because after all, the stakes are very high, and somebody of his same party uh, wants to blow him out of the saddle. Or is it possible that he, somebody shook his hand, and the person shaking his hand, uh, had a chemical residue on his hand that was transferred to that candidate by skin contact when they shook hands, or he was given a pen to sign an autograph, and that pen had a, had a slight coating of an imperceptible uh, uh, substance that immediately transferred into the skin, or he walked by somebody, and there was a very, very tiny mist in the air or whatever, or uh, his coffee or soda or drink or whatever, uh, all of these things could have contained a very, very, very low-grade uh, mind-altering substance or a low-grade psychedelic or, or a cocktail of various chemicals, which which would have produced a disassociation, uh, a, a cognitive impairment, but it, 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 the dosage would have been so low that it would be very subtle. In other words, he's not acting crazy or anything. He's just not at the top of his game, but it's been chemically induced. Now, those are just a couple of the technologies that can be used to produce that. And if you wanted to win, uh, and you were, or somebody came to you and you were ruthless, you might hire uh, somebody who knew how to do that. Uh, to target somebody on your own uh, party so you could win a uh, debate. So my question, hypothetically, is that possible and is it already in use? Three interesting questions. questions. And, 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 you know, I think Joe and, and, and everyone listening, I think people would be naive to dismiss that that concept. I mean, we we know that these types of devices and substances do exist, and even the EMF, the sound wave devices exist, and they they, they're, they not only exist, but they've been used, and, and we saw this in, in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, when? That was a, a decade ago, um, and the, the protesters, and the, there were sound wave weapons in use, or, or at the, the ready by the cannon, police. Yeah. yeah, the sound cannons. Um, so, so 
the technology is in fact there. You're right. Yes, so, so, you're right. So, so, so the technology, uh, we're, we're, we, we are now in the future. And anybody who doesn't think we're in the future, uh, hasn't been keeping up to speed and doing their homework because most of this stuff has been discussed openly, uh, one way or another right, through legitimate, um, um, information sources. And some of it, I, I am amazed as I watch movies now uh, at the amount of information that is being released through uh, dramatic movies, science fiction movies, uh, you know, uh, spy, uh, cop show type uh, uh, programs, <clears throat> that there's this continual release and normalization of uh, all kinds of uh, technologies and uh, uh, enhancements that can be used for surveillance or the battlefield, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, the Manchurian candidate thing. Man, I mean, whether it's born identity, uh, whether it's um, uh, the Manchurian candidate uh, film, or there's countless films where they have uh, Manchurian candidates uh, at work, and there was a there was a there was a movie. Oh, I saw this horrible movie uh, uh, with my son. What, what was Batman versus Superman? I think that I think that was it. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and I, th I think it, it, I th they go. I, if that's the one, and I'm not sure, they fly to a, a polar area. Um, and uh, in this polar area, there's an underground military base where they kind of glamorize it. Uh, Manchurian candidates are being programmed. Oh, okay. So one of the superheroes, or excuse me, the supervillains, and it was Bat it was Batman versus Superman. One of the supervillains in the very beginning of the movie, in the opening scene, this supervillain. Is being programmed by a scientist. He's strapped to a to a medical table or whatever, and the scientist is repeating to him over and over again a kind of a rhyme or, or, or a string of words that don't make don't seem to make sense. A string of words, something like you know, the cat in the hat wears black. It was something innocuous like that. And he's repeating it over and over again to this guy who's strapped on, onto a medical table, <clears throat> pumped with drugs. And his body has been, uh, uh, enhanced so that he's like a super soldier with tremendous muscles and stuff. So then later on in the movie, uh, the scientist, uh, Repeats that that phrase of words that that don't make any logical sense, but the words were meant to program him and activate uh, his his Manchurian candidate personality, and suddenly he's this ruthless, violent super criminal. But but the the the, the repetition of these meaningless words uh, trigger it. Now that's that's based on. Uh, uh, the, the actual practice and science of programming a Manchurian candidate, and that's that's commonly shown in films. Um, and uh, I was watching uh, a TV series last night, uh, Madam Secretary, 
about a female who was the uh, Secretary of State in the White House. And I don't know if it's going to turn out that way, but uh, the episode I saw, there was this weird guy in a car who was in a deep state of emotional distress and conflict. I think he had a tear coming down his face, and he was loading a gun, kind of like the lone gunman. But it seemed to be, and I haven't seen the second episode, but the implication seemed to be that he was a Manchurian candidate. So you 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 add that to the Avengers and Spider-Man and Captain America and 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 in Captain America and the Avengers and a lot of these pictures, X-Men. What what all these films are talking about is genetic engineering. The creating of super soldiers by by uh, breeding d- uh, different types of DNA and chemical enhancements and, and and chip implants to enhance their performance and stuff and computer brain interfaces. Yeah, people are being uh, very familiarized with it, and uh, that's just not science fiction. And they're only showing you. You know, they're making it sound like, oh, it's in the future, you know, because it's the Avengers or the X-Men. But a lot of it's happening right now. And I think there has to be an awareness among uh, the public, and especially Christians. They really need to understand that science and technologies that they think are science fiction are fully operational around uh, now, and they need to be aware of it because it, it plays into all these things that we're talking about. You, you know, it just reminds me, you mentioned Manchurian Candidate, uh, Frank Sinatra playing uh, uh, Bennett Marco, I think, in this 1962 film. Yeah, that was uh, the was better quote. Yeah, it was. R- R- Raymond Shaw is the kindest, bravest nicest, uh, uh, most wonderful human being I've ever known, or something to that effect was the, uh, was the quote. You know, it just remind it reminds me, as you, as you mentioned, the innocuous phrase, or innocuous, you know, whatever, uh, command, or, uh, uh, term, phrase, whatever. Um, yeah, and, and boy, programming indeed, um, Manchurian candidates. It's very disconcerting, too, to, to think about that. But you know, Russ, um, Russ Dizdar talks about the multiples, you know, DID and MPD. And it's interesting, I found it very interesting how many federal law enforcement agencies refuse to admit or deny outright that, oh, MPD or multiple personnel disassociative identity disorder, um, is not, doesn't exist, or if it does exist, it's, it's psychosis. It's not, has nothing to do with the satanic realm. Um, Meanwhile, denying you know the, the Satanism uh, aspect of various crimes and such, but I guess I'm getting a little bit off track there. But but all of this ties together. I, I, I mean, when you're looking at this, um, there's so much to all of this. Um, but people just again are, are naive to think that this doesn't exist. And and so you're right, Paul. And by the way, folks, I'm talking with Paul McGuire, PaulMcGuire.us, his book, and I highly recommend this. This is this is not the his original book. This is brand new, uh, Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017. And this is new original, I mean, this is new content here. So don't think that this is uh, a, a better version of what you already might have, might already have. No, this is a new version. And I've I learned a lot of stuff in this from this book uh, as well. So uh, Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017. 
go to paulmcguire.us. Go ahead, Paul. I didn't mean to take up your time, but I want to mention that because your book does get into, touches on all aspects of what we're talking about. Yeah, and uh, uh, a prophecy of the future of America, 2016-2017, is complete. It's 100% new material, and it focuses in <clears throat> um, about what can happen, <clears throat> good and bad, between 2016-2017. So I, I talk about a lot about the money system and the manipulation of the money system. But I also talk about the supernatural because the money system is supernatural. <clears throat> and then I talk about how um, uh, Christians especially need to really uh, learn how to um, receive God's supernatural provision and, and supply, um, which will enable them to uh, overcome in, in, in good economic or bad economic times. Now, I, I'm really serious about that. And it's not, you know, like uh, health and wealth gospel stuff, and it's not <clears throat> prosperity doctrine stuff. But I've been I've been doing a lot of research for, for a, a lot of years, and it's reflected in all my books. And, and the research is based on Bible prophecy, Based on Revelation, you know, and Genesis, etc., and uh, uh, you know the children of Israel. It's based on the Bible, but I have done so much intensive research um, in an attempt, in an attempt to uh, understand Bible prophecy properly that it has caused me to intensively study economics, uh, spirituality, uh, the occult. <clears throat> secret societies, uh, um, technology, sciences, and, and all a very wide spectrum of information. Uh, and, um, you know, a lot of it I, I met with skepticism as I w originally would be confronted with <clears throat> something that I heard about. Let's say like the Manchurian candidates, you know, of course. I mean, almost everything I write about, I didn't believe when I started to write about it. I, it had to be proven to me without a shadow of a doubt. So I've been on this pilgrimage of intensive research my whole life, but it's, it, it is, it is, uh, <clears throat> escalating in the last five or six years where all the, uh, bits and pieces of information that, that I've been able to gather it's like the, the, I'm able to connect the dots on uh, a deeper and higher level and a faster level than I ever have in my entire life. And even now I'm writing a brand new book, uh, which is going to stem from uh, the earlier books, like A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016 and the first A Prophecy of the Future of America and Mass Awakening uh, and some other books. But, but here's the thing. <clears throat> we were talking about, you were talking about law enforcement not believing in a, a multiple personality uh, disorder and splits and satanic programming and stuff. And I have been studying just recently, in the last couple of weeks, going back to a detailed study of when the fallen angels descended on Mount Hermon and then the interspecies breeding between fallen angels, and, and of course the fallen angels gave technology and science and uh, herbal things and a lot of other things 
the fallen angels gave to mankind on uh, Mount Hermon, which which advanced. Uh, let's call it. They were mankind was given fallen angel technology, which 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 explains how the legendary civilizations like Atlantis, which I believe existed, uh, were able to become super civilizations because they had access to very advanced technology and science that was given to them by the fallen angels. Now, when you you, you play the scenario out and then you, you do research into Phoenicia, which was around Mount Hermon, and the capital city of Phoenicia was Phoenix, and it was also known as uh, Sidonia, and the capital city of Sidonia was Sidon. And then you learn that the Phoenicians were the, the original traders and merchants and business people and commerce people, but they were highly, highly gifted uh, traders, builders. They knew all kinds of stuff about advanced mathematics science, technology, and uh, they had a fleet of uh, ocean-going vessels, and they literally sailed all around the world. In fact, they settled in Phoenix, uh, Arizona. That's why Phoenix, Arizona is called Phoenix, because it was originally settled by the Phoenicians who were uh, mining it for, um, I, I believe it was bronze. So the Phoenicians were mining bronze in an area that is now known as uh, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and related areas. Now, um, they also went up to England and Ireland and Europe, and this, but, but they were also, um, uh, the, the Phoenicians were also, uh, they were the, the, the product of the interspecies breeding. So the Phoenicians were were filled with people that were Nephilim. They had uh, human female DNA and they had uh, fallen angel DNA. So they were they were that part of that strange ancient hybrid race. Uh, now, what's also interesting is that you go into ancient Canaan with the Canaanites, and Canaan, of course, was the Promised Land. And when Joshua and Caleb uh, were commanded by God uh, to go into Canaan and and slaughter the giants and drive the giants out. But but those giants were not just human giants that were large. They were uh, uh, nephilim. They the, the the people all the tribes of Canaan, uh, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Kazezites, and numerous other tribes. Genetically, they were Nephilim, um, and uh, they were the byproduct of uh, breeding between fallen angels and uh, uh, human women. That's why they were giants. That's the, they, why they were called the giants of old, because one of the genetic characteristics of Nephilim is that they're physical giants. So uh, they, the Canaanites also had uh, uh, access to supernatural power, Technology and other things, because there's a, a connection uh, between uh, the Phoenicians and the Canaanites, and the Sidonians and the Canaanites. In other words, the Phoenicians went into Canaan, 
and the Phoenicians went into uh, uh, other areas, but especially Canaan. So th that entire uh, area was filled with Nephilim, and Joshua and Caleb had to go in there <coughs> and slaughter and drive out all the giants. Now, um, an, but another major characteristic of the Canaanites is that they were Satan worshippers, and uh, they worshipped uh, the pagan gods like Baal, who, who is Satan, a representation of Satan. They worshipped the pagan god, uh, goddess uh, Asherah, uh, who, who is a Luciferian goddess. Um, and the way they would worship um, <clears throat> Baal is through sacrificing, burning their children alive in human sacrifice to Baal, who was Satan. And um, then they would have sexual orgies, take psychedelic drugs, get drunk out of their mind, uh, chant, sing all these rituals, bombastic music, hypnotic music, and that was part of their satanic worship to Baal. Now, they worship Asherah, uh, the, the female goddess, in a, in a similar fashion, uh, but it was highly sexual in nature. So... Um, uh, sexual orgies, uh, eventually Asherah had other names and, uh, temples, and in these temples were temple prostitutes, both male and female, uh, uh sexual perversion, uh, drugs, uh, and, uh, when you look at the, the ancient relics of the statues, uh, both large and small of the goddess Asherah, you see these very, very large uh, breasts, female breasts. I mean... Hold that thought, Paul. We're up against the break. When we come back, we're going to hit on this more, the Phoenicians and more, with Paul McGuire on this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Ladies and gentlemen, Hagman and Hagman, our very special guest, Mr. Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.us. There, grab a copy of his book, A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, or if you prefer, 2016-2017. But this book, uh, it's a joy to read. It's it's an intellectual uh, Bible of intellectual Information and it's just fantastic, and I especially like the chapter on social justice myself. Okay, it, it, this is to me, this is Paul McGuire at his finest uh, in terms of chapters and writings and, and such. And it, it's it's an all encompassing book. It's a fantastic book. PaulMcGuire.us, a prophecy of the future of America, twenty sixteen twenty seventeen. And I want to thank everyone for joining us today. I want to thank the uh, I want to thank the uh, person who sent that newspaper from the UK opening mail today. Um got the newspaper from the UK. Thank you so much for sending that. Very interesting. I the Daily Worker. Hmm. UK edition. Pretty interesting stuff in there. That's right, you heard me. Um 
want to mention, uh, folks, I'm excited. If you are a small business owner or if you own a, a medium-sized business or a large business, if you're looking for one person or ten people, if you're looking for whatever you, whoever you're looking for, if you are in need of someone to do something for your business, if you're looking to hire, are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, folks, you need to post your job on all top job sites, and now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to a 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, just with one single click. I love the, <laughs> I love the ease of this. You can find candidates in any city, in any industry, you can, nationwide. Just post one time, just once, and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. Oh, it is so, folks, if I can use it, you can use it. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person right there fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over, get this, 1 million businesses. And right now, my listeners, our listeners, listeners to this program, can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free just by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. Folks, listen to me now. Listen carefully. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial one more time to try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. We're talking with Paul McGuire tonight. His website is paulmcguire.us. His radio show, The Paul McGuire Report, you can find on Blog Talk Radio, and you can download the podcast to uh, through iTunes or any uh, podcast uh, outlet. And just before the break, we were talking about the Phoenicians and the Canaanites and the ancient... Um, little small g the mythological or not mythological the uh false little g gods that they uh, worship yeah so so um i'm gonna uh, do this as quickly as i can but but i'm going to uh move i hate to say it on several dimensions at once because it sounds pretentious and nobody will know what I'm talking about. But let's just put it this way. There's going to be several layers of in- what I'm going to talk about will have several layers or tiers of information. Now, I need to quickly go back because this I'm going somewhere. This is very, very important because ultimately where I'm going to go with this is uh, talking about the existence of, of a power grid in our nation um, and in our world that um, it's a power grid that creates reality. Uh, it's, a, it's a holographic power grid that creates reality. And those, those are new age uh, expressions, as you'll see in a moment. Now, um, quickly going back to the fallen angels mating with the human women at Mount Hermon. In addition to science and technology... They taught human women, well, they, they lusted after human women, and they mated with them. But they also taught human women uh, uh, a number of things to enhance their sexuality. They, they literally taught them how to uh, uh, put on makeup, uh, and I'm not knocking makeup, and I don't think the Bible knocks women wearing makeup. But 
the the fallen angels taught women a special way of putting on makeup that would uh, heighten their 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 sexual uh, seductiveness and attraction. All right, uh, that's that's that says that in the Book of Enoch, uh, which we is legitimate for us to read because it's referenced in the Book of Jude. Now, another thing is besides the science and technology, they gave herbs. Uh, to mankind. Now, I believe when when the extra book of the Bible, the book of Enoch, talks about herbs, I believe that included medicinal herbs, um, herbs for all kinds of purposes, but also herbs which contained uh, uh, plant-based uh, psychedelic uh, and and drugs, mind-altering drugs. Now. Let's go back into Canaan, because the Canaanites are genetically descended from what happened on Mount Hermon. The Phoenicians are genetically descended from what happened on Mount Hermon. And the Sidonians are genetically descended. In other words, they're all Nephilim. So they're, they're worshiping the goddess Asherah. It's a sexual worship, because the, the, the belief system is is that if you engage in these sexual activities and these sexual perversions, you are then going to please the goddess Asherah, and she's going to reward you financially with prosperity and your crops and health. And I want your listeners to just really grab hold with a vengeance of a very, very important truth that will revolutionize their lives if they grab hold of the truth and make it their business to understand it. So the pagan uh, people, the Canaanites, uh, in their worship, uh, they, they, which was sexually perverse, that was de- designed to please the goddess Asherah so she would reward them economically. Okay? Now, the other thing is when they look when you look back in archaeology you see that that uh, uh, statues or small statues of the goddess Asherah feature very very uh, large female breasts and and I'm not trying to be crude I'll be as delicate as I possibly can but I got to talk about reality and a very very enlarged posterior okay now I'm going somewhere with this, besides being, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be obscene here, I'm trying to be delicate, but there's a truth here, because, because perverse sexuality, uh, sexuality was a, is a form of satanic worship, and the ancient Canaanites and the other cultures that were Nephilim knew that they would release supernatural power, and that they would release the supernatural power to provide, to get provisions uh, uh, economically with their crops, etc., etc., if they performed these worship activities. They also, with the worship of Asherah, they, uh, women would dance seductively naked around a pole. Now, notice the similarity with ancient Asherah worship, because that's where the stripper's pole came from, the worship of ancient Asherah, and we have that in our society today. And if you'll notice in our society today, in the last couple of decades, um, and I'm, you know, I'm not criticizing or, or, or making fun of somebody who has had 
augmentation in, in certain areas. That's not my point. But but when strippers began to have unusually large uh, breasts because of uh, implants, etc., and then just in the last two or three years, the emphasis is to uh, uh, enhance and augment the female posterior, okay? And, and that's being done by uh, Beyonce and uh, a whole bunch of uh, music stars and uh, other people. But you see, it's, 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 it's really, uh, it's, it's, it's reminiscent of Asherah worship, the exaggerated female body parts, the pole and, and the perverse sexuality. Now, so I want people to think about that for a moment. And then let's go back to the worship of Baal, which was sacrificing your children alive, uh, drug taking, and they got the drugs, I believe, from the fallen angels, and, um, um, you know, playing music that, that puts you into like a trance, taking psychedelic drugs, uh, burning your children alive, and, and other horrible things. And the reason the Canaanites did that in the worship of Baal, who represents Satan, is because they believed that by doing that, it would supernaturally release economic uh, favor, crop fa- uh, favor, uh, wealth, uh, uh, and all kinds of things. So, here we have these ancient civilizations, and I want your listeners to lock in on this truth with all its worth. Because if you if you just if you're going to be like uh, the bozo the clown school of theology, where you just skim the Bible and come up with some superficials, that is a total violation of what it says in Proverbs that you are to seek for knowledge and you're to seek for wisdom uh, with a passion like you would seek for silver or gold because the most important thing it says in Proverbs is to get wisdom and with all by uh, getting get wisdom and get understanding that implies that we are to be aggressive in our search for the truth we're to master the search for truth. We're not to just have skim the Bible like like morons. We're supposed to dig into the depths of the Scripture. We're supposed to mine it for the gold and the treasures of truth that God has embedded in the Scripture. So that's why we have to know who the Canaanites were and exactly what they were doing. So we see this fundamental principle that begins in ancient pre-flood civilizations. And the principle is this. The fallen angels uh, produced the Nephilim, and we now flash back to Lucifer, the highest fallen angel. But what is the primary characteristic of Lucifer? Uh, he's evil. He's beautiful. He was a worship leader. He's highly creative. But we see an exhaustive documentation and description of Lucifer's attributes. For example, in Ezekiel 28, where it goes into incredible detail about how he's a merchant, a trader, T-R-A-D-E-R. He's a master of commerce. He's a master of marketing and business. And it talks about the jewels and the wealth that he knows how to multiply. So we learn that Lucifer, to put it in simplistic terms, is a brilliant supernatural businessman. 
and he develops the debt he develops the monetary system which is a debt slavery system so lucifer is is like the father of commerce and money god isn't because god doesn't money is not a kingdom of god concept it's a luciferian concept now we have to understand that so who were the phoenicians they were traders they were masters of commerce they were importers and exporters of of precious metals and jewels and they had advanced knowledge that they were like their 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 master lucifer in many ways now we go back to the canaanites we look at the the, the ancient phoenicians we look at the ancient sidonians and we see a, a commonality here they all know how to worship satan and there's there's a reason for their worshiping satan uh they learn that there is a direct relationship and i pray that the holy spirit would literally explode this truth in the minds and the hearts of people listening that the that the shock wave of truth would just shatter the dullness that's been programmed into them by by a culture that that wants to keep you a slave and in captivity through 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 depriving you of knowledge and truth so the commonality is this they worship satan and their their purpose in worshiping satan and doing these rituals is they understand that economics money commerce wealth agricultural productivity all of this is essentially based on the supernatural and not the natural it's not that 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 the natural uh isn't taken care of you've got to work the fields you've got to plant the harvest you, you you've got to balance the books you you you've got to build the buildings but that's only one half of the game the canaanites and the uh phoenicians and the sidonians the greatest traders and commerce people uh, in in mankind's history understood the supernatural element of releasing economic prosperity and wealth and power and favor comes about from their worshiping lucifer and he releases it for them supernaturally now we we play out the story of the phoenicians they settled all around the world especially in england and what is england today it's two things great britain today is the world headquarters of satanism luciferian worship it's the headquarters of the illuminati and it's an occult power center that's one main attribute of great britain the second uh, main attribute of great britain is that it is the center of global wealth the city of london not to be confused with london the city the city of london is a separate city inside the city of london where all the international bankers have their palatial offices and the global economic system is run from great britain so notice again the relationship between the supernatural the illuminati satanism wealth and economics they're hand in hand that's again why the dollar bill has the illuminati symbol and so on and so forth who settled great britain it was the ancient phoenicians 
sailing into Great Britain to trade precious metals, etc., and they expanded their trading and importing empire from there. Now, that's important to grasp for, for many, many reasons. But the other side of the coin that is important to grasp is when we read the return of Babylon in Revelation 17 and 18, we once again read this most detailed description. It is a very lengthy, detailed description of products, uh, goods, services, economics, commerce, trading, uh, the music industry, precious jewels, gold, uh, business, the kings of the earth. We reread a very detailed description that is basically economics. And it's very, very similar to Ezekiel 28, which describes the biography of Satan and his power over the world economic system. So when, Babel, the, when Mystery Babylon reemerges, we see this lengthy description again of the Luciferian economic system, which is about to be judged by God at his second coming. Now, why is this important? It's important because the average Christian will remain uh, in captivity, will remain a slave, will remain ineffective, uh, will be powerless as long as the average Christian insists upon uh, depriving themselves of the truth in God's word. Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the more truth you know, the more you are free. The children of Israel were slaves economically and, and physically under the Pharaoh God King system in Egypt, which was a spin-off of Babylon. Babylon, by the way, was the first place where they started printing money from nothing. And the children of Israel were slaves under Pharaoh, and they had to toil and sweat and were beaten uh, uh, to, 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 to basically try to make a living. Now, God in the Old Testament and, and God in the New Testament it is not his will that his people be the slaves. It's not his will that his people suffer and, and be the, uh, uh, the tail and not the head, which they are in America. God's people are being trampled upon. The things of God are being trampled upon because to a disturbingly large degree, God's people are, uh, relatively powerless, at least in comparison with the occult secret societies and the Illuminati, so on and so forth. Oh, one other thing. Regarding the multiple uh, personalities and satanic ritual programming that the, pol that the police deny, well, they need to do some uh, homework regarding history. The programming of individuals, the programming of individuals to have multiple personalities and to become slaves and Manchurian candidates through uh, uh, occultic mind control, through drugs, through sensory deprivation, through pain, drugs, and hypnosis, that ability to program people, which is now called monarch program,
programming where you split multiple there are multiple personalities into altars deliberately you use the word altar as a place of worship is a satanic uh, 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 satanic principle that goes back to pre-flood civilizations and it goes back to uh, ancient civilizations so so when the uh, modern MK ultra and uh, uh, people today in uh, uh, militaries around the world uh, utilize monarch programming and multiple personalities in MK ultra all those are is are extensions of centuries worth of this kind of programming that's been going on for for thousands of years if, if the police would bother to look at a history book uh, hashish was named hashish and of course her hashish is a derivative of, of the marijuana compound in, in a more concentrated sense but the the assassins of old would take uh, large doses of the uh, psychedelic hashish uh, when they would when they would be like super soldiers and kill people it gave them an elevated consciousness it, it put their consciousness above fear they tapped into supernatural powers and they were super soldiers and super killers and assassins but the word uh, hashish is tied into the uh, uh, word assassin so this is this is something that's been going on a long time in history now we understand that that Lucifer is head of this very sophisticated economic system and he understands programming and and drugs and persuasion and mind control and uh, monetary system and the economic system. It's not an accident that the Phoenician traders go to Great Britain, that's the world economic headquarters, and the very top people in the uh, city of London, uh, the people who run the world's wealth, are part of the Illuminati, and many of them are involved in Satan worship. That's not an accident between Satanism the supernatural and the release of enormous prosperity. So again, your listeners need to really, really grab hold of this with a vengeance. We look at the wealthiest families in the world, like the Rothschilds. I'm not saying all the Rothschilds are Luciferians, but some of them are. And in the beginning of the family, when they established the Illuminati, because their former name was Bauer, their symbol is the red shield. The Rothschild family is deeply involved in the Illuminati, and they're probably the most powerful economic family on planet Earth. But the reason that they were able to access trillions of dollars of wealth was not just because they were great accountants and bookkeepers. They were, but that wasn't the sole reason. They understood they understood that we do not live in a basically materialistic universe. In other words, the universe of the reality that we live in is far more than the physical dimensions. The Illuminati, they understand this. And, and therefore, if they want great wealth, they just don't produce that wealth in the physical three dimensions. They go into the invisible world or the spiritual world uh, a, a fourth dimension and they pull wealth and plunder and power and economics out of another dimension that's what's meant by alchemical magic the philosopher's stone where you take nothing and you produce gold 
This is the great secrets of Freemasonry and, and, and the occult and the Illuminati and Satanism. There is a direct relationship between economic provision, prosperity, military victory, and supernatural power. Now, if modern contemporary evangelical Christians in America in, insist on misperceiving reality as simply uh, the physical dimensions that we can touch, taste, see, and hear, they're always going to be on the losing end of the spiritual battle. Because God gets right in the face of his people, way back in the Old Testament when they were dealing with the, the Nephilim in, in, in ancient Canaan. Paul, Paul, and, hang on hang on to that thought. I mean, this, to me, folks, if you're not engaged in what Paul is saying, you need to, you need to go back and listen to this. This is perhaps one of the one of the most inciting, insightful, um, Joe. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just blown no. away. I mean, listen to what Paul's saying, and in very historically accurate, uh, especially about the Phoenicians and from what I've studied. And, and we're the talking alchemy. about the, yeah. the, the spiritual dimensions and what can be gained from them by the world elite. When we come back with Paul McGuire right after this. on the piano and guitar that's right and drums and bass and violin and trumpet and uh, whatever you like that oh yeah baby <laughs> not now we're see he classed it up I mean th this is really good you know our, our very special guest right now is Paul McGuire paulmcguire.us and a tip Paul for you from our listeners I got about six emails on this if you go to File, Open Recent, I don't know. Um, it, no matter what platform you're using, you can fire off that article to us, and uh, we'll post it. But uh, File, Open Recent. But uh, our guest is uh, Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.us, a prophecy of the future of America 2016-2017. To me, this book is, I mean, so right on target. Uh, folks, it is just a, a, an insightful read. And one that I think uh, this book, uh, I'm proud to have this on my bookshelf, and I'm proud to to be be an owner of this book. And that's not that's not false flattery or praise w without uh, understanding and reading what's in here. This book has got a lot of great information, and it's topical and timely. And it is. We started off by talking about Hillary, the ear pearl, shall we say? Moving through the history, the important history, because past is prologue, isn't it, folks? In uh, the in the the whole schematic, I suppose, the schematics of where we are today, being laid out by Mr. Paul McGuire, folks. One one more thing, I, I just want to mention that you know, time is short. Time is indeed short, and if you haven't prepared for any eventuality I, I would urge you to do so go to minutemanstove.com that's minutemanstove.com folks there at minutemanstove they've got the best 
standalone stove on the market for survival for preppers, okay? It is the absolute best stove you can buy for preppers. It's the perfect survival cooking stove for you and your family. The Minuteman stove is, is, it's, it's a, it, it just takes twigs and sticks. So even if you're living in an apartment in downtown Brooklyn or in Brooklyn, we'll say, it just requires a small amount of sticks and twigs for your fuel. You can find that scurrying the streets. Believe me, we've been in downtown Brooklyn and in, in the streets of Brooklyn. You'll find, you'll find the necessary fuel for the Minuteman even, well, regardless of where you live. It takes one tenth of the fuel required in an open fire and uh it, it it just it heats up i mean it's an amazing device it's a rocket stove that heats right up and the outside temperature only gets to 200 degrees roughly because of its insulation the way it's made the the heat is focused the cooking uh, power is comparable to a kitchen stove folks visit minutemanstove.com that's minutemanstove.com don't delay because you know time is running short now back to our guest mr paul mcguire paul Wow. Go ahead, brother, and continue. You've really, I, I don't know. I mean, the history that you're providing, some people might know it, but others, well, I mean, you're refining the information greatly. So continue, sir. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, it's going to get faster, uh, more intense as we as we go on. But the end game here is to give your listeners truth that will revolutionize their lives. I mean, and it really will revolutionize their lives. Because as a minister of a local church, Paradise Mountain Church, I get emails from people. Uh, people want prayer all the time. And they're struggling with stuff. And if they understood this stuff... Um, I think they would experience the breakthrough um, that they need and the help they need because the help they need is supernatural and it's from God. The key is how do you how, how do you access that? Because a lot of people say constantly, and I understand this. Um, you know, I pray, but nothing, nothing seems to happen. But there, there's a reason for that. And in the book of Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, with the four DVD set. <coughs> Uh, the Lord directed me to to break open the economic system uh, and the the occult supernatural nature of it, but then uh, devote at least a third of the book to to teaching people how to uh, use God's supernatural power to open up God's supernatural system of provision and economics and money, which is it's, people have got to understand this. It's supernaturally based. It doesn't mean you don't work hard. You do. You work harder than people who don't know God. But unless there's a release supernaturally uh, from the Lord, uh, your your labor is somewhat in vain. That's why the scripture says, you know, it's vain for a man to wake up early and go to bed late slaving to make a living because it's the Lord who provides. Now, that's not saying you're not supposed to work. Okay, so anyway, that's helpful. And I'm going to go through th- some stuff, <clears throat> and I want to encourage people to, to master the topic and master the truths. Um you know, what has helped me greatly in understanding all this stuff 
is the fact that, that I've written books and in the writing of books, you research. So my exposure to material is repetitive, 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 which is a powerful. And every time I repeat reading something, more and more opens up. And then I read different sources that reinforce and more and more uh, opens up. So in uh, A Prophecy of the Future of America, the first book, there's a lot of uh, important truths uh, regarding what we're talking about in that imperative ones for for just just one quick one Adolf Hitler and the Nazis understood this when they uh, established the Third Reich in Nazi Germany that was an occult dictatorship it was a DNA and occult dictatorship the Third Reich was an occult party first and a political party second and the super advanced technology that they uh, got uh, they had great engineers and technology people and science uh, scientists and physicists but what really gave them the advanced engineering diagrams for uh, rockets that were 50 to 60 years ahead of America and uh, uh, the, the early UFO type flying machines and the proposed anti-gravity machines and their high technology and their ability to implement scientific mind control and their ability to uh, 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 use genetics uh, at, at a very high level. They had high level genetic scientists was because they pulled it out again. They pulled it out of a supernatural dimension. And not only did Nazi Germany do that, but the big secret is that Great Britain was doing it also because Churchill was a Druid priest. And this is a slight digression, but the Phoenicians, uh, whose main city was uh, Phoenix, and they were genetically Nephilim from the interspecies breeding of fallen angels with human women, on Mount Hermon, where they were given technology and science and advanced mathematics, that was also given to the Phoenicians. The Phoenicians and the Sidonians, which were very similar peoples, they sailed their uh, importing, exporting vessels all around the world, and they went up through Europe, but they they uh, centered in on uh, Great Britain and Ireland and those islands. Uh, Great Britain, the word derivative of Great Britain originally uh, goes back to the word tin because that was one of the metals that were being imported and exported by the Phoenicians. And uh, uh, Great Britain, as we said, is there's a reason why it is the global economic power center of the world and it is also the global center of the Illuminati and uh, uh, the occult and Satanism. And it's not an accident that the Fabian socialists and all the planners for the New World Order and the scientific elite and the scientific dictatorship and Aldous Huxley and H.G. Wells and all these people, it's not an accident uh, that they come out of this uh, satanic energy flow and this uh, economic energy flow of Great Britain. That's not an accident. Now, uh, because Huxley was, uh, uh, he wrote Brave New World, a genetic totalitarian dictatorship. 
But Huxley was also a member of the cult of Dionysus and a worshiper of the sun god. Uh, Churchill, Winston Churchill, was a Druid priest. And uh, Aleister Crowley, the great Satanist, uh, came out of Britain. And so there's a nexus there of spiritual power and economic power, but spiritual power and economic power that is a that is a, at a multi-dimensional level. You can see the people at the highest levels of the Illuminati and uh, uh, Satan, the Satanic societies, and uh, other secret societies. The people at the very highest levels of these societies. They are in communication with Lucifer, and they are given uh, knowledge uh, on how to multiply wealth and economics and uh, mind control and all kinds of things. But it's supernaturally imparted to them. Now, a lot of people, you know, this bothers them when I say that, because they don't understand the second principle. And the second principle is that the people that are running the world now and running the United States now are a largely invisible globalist elite, which is a cult-based. But their 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 uh, organizational structure is built on a hierarchy and a need-to-know basis. So knowledge, in order for them to preserve their power, uh, knowledge is given out always on a compartmentalized basis. So the highest level uh, uh, Satanists and, and, and members of the Illuminati, they teach uh, let's see let's say leaders on the presidential level, the prime minister level uh, uh, the, the heads of multi-corp- multi multinational corporation level, they, they teach all these people these uh, governor, governing authorities in politics and, and, and commerce they teach them through a higher level education that they control, they uh, indoctrinate them into the belief that there's only the physical universe of the physical senses, uh, which is called material, scientific materialism. And they teach them that, you know, the supernatural is nonsense. But, but, but they do that so that the, uh, the, the high level managerial class of presidents and prime ministers, etc., will not get access to the power that they have because they know for sure that that the supernatural exists, that Lucifer exists. But to keep their power, they convince the lower level people that we live strictly in a, in, in a, in a physical materialistic universe. It's a very clever ruse and it works. Now, <clears throat> going back to... Um, there was a critical point that I was trying to make before the break. Do you happen to remember what it was? All right. Well, what, well I mean, you were definitely talking about the... Before uh, the break, you were talking about how the Rothschilds and the families of you know, oh, trillionaires pull great. the resources out of a fourth-dimensional yes. realm. Yeah. Great. Yes. Okay, so this is absolutely essential. So we go back again, really quickly. We go back to, to ancient Canaan. We go back to the ancient Phoenicia. We go back to ancient Sidonia. We go back to Mount Hermon. And the reason uh, that these people were involved in satanic worship 
and they were given uh, fallen angel technology and science and economic principles and mind control principles and the use of psychedelic drugs and, and sexuality and stuff. Um, they they were predisposed to worship Lucifer because they they had fallen angel DNA. And these are the people, by the way, that built the ancient super civilizations that most people think are legendary, like Atlantis. And Atlantis was, uh, I believe, was real. Uh, and, and, and more importantly, uh, the, some of the smartest people in the history of, of the human race believed uh, Atlantis was real, like the Greek philosopher Plato, who wrote Plato's Republic, the Greeks, by the way, were the genetic descendants of the Phoenicians and the Canaanites and the Sidonians. And the Greek philosopher Plato uh, wrote in Plato's Republic, uh, he had information about um, um, Atlantis, and he said it was ruled by, that it was a super civilization. It had advanced technology and science and mathematics, but it was ruled by ten god kings or ten philosopher kings. Now, who were the ten philosopher kings of Atlantis or the ten god kings? This, by the way, was an organizational structure of the scientific elite ruling the masses. I believe that god kings were uh, the Nephilim, uh, uh, the, the, the Illuminati bloodline, if you will, um, and uh, that's why they they had supernatural uh, science and technology to build Atlantis and other super civilizations <clears throat> until it was destroyed uh, by the flood of Noah. Okay, so the the elite, by the way, today the, the very highest level of members of the, of the elite are regular readers of Plato and Plato's Republic. They're, they're obsessed with uh, Plato's Republic. So, uh, all these ancient civilizations, up until now, but going back in time, the Rosicrucians, uh, the people that ran uh, the British Empire at the top, the people that uh, founded America at the top. You, know, you go to Washington, D.C., you see occult symbols and Freemasonry free, uh, symbols everywhere. They were all into understanding supernatural power, uh, advanced supernatural mathematics, and all kinds of things. Our, our entire founding of Washington, D.C. Is, is literally a monument to Babylon and these ancient occult practices. So, um, these people all understood that, that working hard uh, and, and, and natural, physical, three-dimensional stuff was very, very important. But they understood that the way you really access wealth and power is that you first have to acknowledge the reality of a multi-dimensional reality and that there is unlimited power and information and energy and economic wealth, et cetera, et cetera, that can be released supernaturally uh, from another dimension if you will worship the gatekeeper of that dimension, who is Lucifer, because he is this master trader. He is the god of this world. He runs the, the global monetary system. So 
the, the, most people miss, think, well, you know, pagan worship is just a bunch of uh, ignorant people running around, you know, having sex and then playing music and taking drugs and sacrificing people. If you even go to the Incan ruins and the Mayan ruins, and many of you have seen that movie with uh, with Mel Gibson, uh, what is it, Apocalypto or something? Yep, and, Apocalypto. And, yeah, so, so what is it, a Mayan or Incan temple? Incan temple, <clears throat> and you know they're they're chopping heads off like crazy. Well, it's not because they were just a bunch of nutty primitives that were stupid and superstitious. They did that because the Mayan and Incan cultures, that satanic religion that they were involved in, was brought to them by the Phoenicians who traveled across the world and settled those places. And the purpose of the chopping of the heads off was not because they were ignorant savages. The purpose of the chopping of the heads off and the satanic ritual worship was because it opened a gateway into the fourth dimension where Lucifer would supernaturally release military victory uh, 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 crops that would flourish, <clears throat> prosperity, uh, and all kinds of things. So economics and wealth and prosperity was released from another dimension through satanic worship. That is an important principle because that principle rests on, again, your listeners really need to, to, to like lock into this for all it's worth because it's worth their life the the foundational principle here is that we live in a multi-dimensional universe not just in three dimensions the CERN Hadron Collider is is the latest example of this uh, as many of your listeners know the purpose of the CERN Hadron Collider is to crack open uh, doorways into other dimensions because these high-level scientists know there are other dimensions, and as one of the, the scientific directors of the CERN-Hadron Collider stated, um, <clears throat> they anticipated uh, being in communication with extra-dimensional entities or beings by cracking open another dimension. And those extra-dimensional entities... Uh, as Christians, we know they're fallen angels. So these same fallen angels that were giving science and technology back in Mount Hermon and ancient super civilizations are still alive and well today communicating with an occult scientific elite that rules our world, <clears throat> and that's why you have them uh, involved in the CERN-Hadron Collider and the CERN-Hadron Collider is designed to do what uh, the Tower of Babel was designed to do, because the Tower of, D of Babel was an interdimensional stargate that allowed for the entrance into the physical Earth of extra-dimensional entities or fallen angels. In the same way, <clears throat> the CERN-Hadron Collider is a doorway into another dimension that allows for these entities or fallen angels to come back on the earth. So, so I'm, I'm going to revisit something here, and I'm going to slam this truth home hard. We're talking about the reality of the demonic and Lucifer. 
the Bible teaches us that there are multiple dimensions. The Bible teaches us that there is a Lucifer and fallen angels. But the Bible also teaches us about the foundational reality <clears throat> that there is that there are other dimensions. Uh, one would be the dimension of the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible teaches us that spiritual battles for power and economics occur in the invisible realm. And the Bible teaches us ultimately, if we pay attention to the Bible, that as Christians we're not to view reality and uh, economic prosperity and provision and supply <clears throat> and uh, victories and the transformation of our society or healing or anything merely through the the humanistic perspective of everything is just a byproduct of activity in the in the physical dimensions the bible clearly teaches us from genesis to revelation that god is our source capital s and that when we synchronize or harmonize with his principles, which I explained, by the way, in A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, <clears throat> and in Mass Awakening, and in uh, of the first A Prophecy of the Future of America, and uh, some of the other books, um, this principle that the pilgrims and Puritans understood, and it's simple, but it's powerful, when the pilgrims and Puritans had any problem, economic, agricultural, sickness, whatever the problem was, they never looked to three-dimensional answers for the solution. They didn't say to themselves, not that you shouldn't, but they didn't say to themselves when they planted their crops, oh, gee, did we use the right fertilizer? Our crops failed because we used the right fertilizer. Well, maybe they did, that, they did ask that question. But that was not the primary question they asked themselves. Because that assumes <clears throat> that provision and the origination of provision is simply coming from three dimensions. They ask themselves the bigger question. Since God has promised to bless us, since we have entered into a supernatural covenant with God based on the covenant that God entered the children of Israel with uh, based on uh, Moses and the blessings and curses in Deuteronomy 28, were, which were predicated on two things, worshiping God and not worshiping false gods, and hearkening diligently to obey the voice of the Lord thy God. And then you, you see, again, this detailed economic list. I mean, it is, it's like economics 101, agriculture, commerce, trade, health, immigration. All those are placed out as blessings supernaturally from God that will be released in the lives of his children if they are in synchronization or obedience to the two requirements, worshiping God alone and obeying his word. Conversely, if they disobey God and worship idols and disobey his word, then that same meticulous, detailed list of economic blessings and uh, immigration and everything else, that it's turned around as a curse so when the pilgrims and Puritans faced anything of adversity, they always called for a solemn assembly. They fasted, they repented, and they sought the face of God until such a moment as they knew God went into their place of meeting 
showed up with his presence and glory, and then God would supernaturally intervene in their situation and remove the curse, because they recognized that their source was God, capital S, and their willingness to live in accordance with the covenant. See, just like Lucifer has rules for his prosperity, uh, supernaturally, God has rules for his. And so they had to... Yeah. Hold that thought. We're up against another break. All right. Uh, when we come back, we'll we'll hit pick up right where we left off, folks. You're listening to Paul McGuire. His website, paulmcguire.us. His radio show, The Paul McGuire Report. Bookmark his website. You can get to the radio show from there. We'll be right back with Paul McGuire right after this. He's the author of the latest book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017. Folks, I would urge each and every one of you to grab a copy of this book. It is uh, a great read, and it touches on a number of important issues that we are dealing with in our everyday news um, with a lot of our guests. And, and just on shows, we're, we're hitting on information, Bible prophecy, and economics, and, and Satanism. It touches on just about everything that you'd want to know. Um, his website, paulmcguire.us, his radio show, The Paul McGuire Report, heard on Blog Talk Radio. You can find that radio show right from his website. And before the break, we were talking about um, the Puritans and the pilgrims and how the blessings of God can be turned into curses based on a person's individual uh, worship towards God. Paul, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you pick up right where yeah. you left off. Um so in uh, A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, uh, I have a couple of chapters <clears throat> devoted to what was the result when the pilgrims and Puritans who founded America entered into that covenant with God, the blessings and the curses, <clears throat> and, and then how the Third Great Awakening uh, transformed our society. Well, the result was is America, up until recently, has been by far the most prosperous nation on planet Earth, has had the only large middle class that was prosperous on planet Earth, has provided more freedoms, more jobs, more inventions, more technology, and I list the technologies, and I list the inventions, and I list the scientists, <clears throat> and when you see the list, of, of, of every kind of technology under the sun um, and scientific discovery, the vast majority of it is all coming out of America. <clears throat> and the economic prosperity up until recently, you know, the American dream, that is, that's a unique term in human history. Nobody talks about the French dream, the English dream, the, the Russian dream, the Iranian dream. There's only one nation on earth in the history of civilization that had a high quality of life enough that people around the world wanted in on it, so they called it the American dream. Now, <clears throat> we're in a spiritual war in our nation, 
by by men and women whose minds have been <clears throat> captivated by a, a uh, ideological virus that is more than just a set of intellectual precepts. It's energized by a Luciferian force from another dimension. And what I'm simply saying is that this Marxist uh, uh, idea doesn't work, never has worked. That's the historical evidence. But people, people, you know, become zealots for it, evangelists for it, apart from any proof at all. And that's because their minds have been captured. And the way, the mechanism by which their minds have been captured uh, is not simply uh, through intellectualism or false intellectualism. There's a spiritual energy behind it. And one of the reasons we know that is because the Illuminati Manifesto was really the source of the Communist Manifesto, as I point out in the book. And the Communist Manifesto is simply a, a copy of the Illuminati Manifesto. So what was the intention of the Illuminati <clears throat> in creating the communist revolutions? It was their covert way of taking total control of any nation on earth. So they would sucker punch the population, uh, round up a bunch of useful idiots, promise them a, a worker's paradise, tell them that their lives don't matter. The only thing that matters is the lives of the state or the collective. <clears throat> and then the Illuminati would rule and keep all the resources. So <clears throat> it's, a, it's a satanically inspired uh, agenda because it's built on a lie and Satan is the father of lies. So um, the, 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 the problem is um, let me just clear my throat. <clears throat> the problem is that many Christians, um, they say they're Bible-believing Christians. They say they believe in God. They say believe, they believe in Jesus Christ, resurrected from the dead, so on and so forth. But when it comes to the, their day-to-day -day living, when it comes to the way they actually conduct their business or the way they actually attempt to solve their problems... Uh, the, 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 the ways they attempt to solve things, uh, are exactly the same as the person who doesn't believe in God. They think it, be, it can be done through their hard work, their wisdom, and using all of the humanist, uh, and three-dimensional resources. And, and when they do that, <clears throat> they always stay slaves. they they always lose. Uh, they're always victims, and by doing that, they actually block the full release of God's destiny, God's call in their lives, and they block the full release of God's supernatural provision and guidance. Because a true biblical Christian should be viewing reality the way the Bible tells us to view reality. And that could be summarized in that statement that Elijah the prophet said to his servant when the king of Syria was about to slaughter Elijah and his servant and their men uh, with their powerful armies. Uh, Elijah's servant uh, panicked because he was only looking at the problem through his physical perception. 
and they were outnumbered. So Elijah said, uh, Lord, open the eyes of my servant. <clears throat> and then God supernaturally opened up his eyes so that he could see into the other dimension of the spiritual world. And he shouted out, Behold, the hills are filled with chariots of fire. And he saw the angelic armies and the angelic technology and the, the angelic chariots that looked like they were lit up like fire. And then he said, Behold, those that are with us are more than those that are with them. And then God's angelic army uh, caused the Syrian army to uh, kill each other. But um, he had to have his perception altered. <clears throat> In the same way, uh, David, the reason David destroyed Goliath, who was a, a Nephilim giant, was because he stopped trying to fight in the purely physical dimension using physical resources, which is a trap, which is what all the mighty men of Israel, who were highly qualified warriors, were paralyzed with fear when Goliath was taunting them. But David didn't rely on that three-dimensional perspective. He looked into the dimension where God was. He saw God as his source. He allowed the extra-dimensional anointing of the Holy Spirit to come out of heaven and be poured upon him. And God supernaturally quickened his ability, his strength, and power so that uh, David was able to drop Goliath with one stone, one shot. But that's because he fought, he made the decision to fight the spiritual battle, not with three-dimensional weapons, but with the supernatural weapons of God. So this 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 principle is applicable uh, to every one of us in, in every single challenge, every single temptation, every single difficulty, uh, every single need, whether it's finances or guidance or favor or employment or healing or, or, or deliverance or whatever it is, whatever the need is, or prosperity or, or, or a blessing on a career or a blessing on a life, whatever it is, if you're strictly going to lock yourself into the three-dimensional resources, you're going to lose. That is why that the uh, evangelical Christians and the people that love God in America, the reason right now that they are, in, in, in the short term, losing the spiritual battle in America, the reason that, that powerful forces such as the media and certain politicians and activist groups are pounding the living daylights out of the Church of God in America and the reason that the Church of God in America is largely losing the spiritual battle is for one reason and one reason only. And the minute they make the transition, the minute they make the transition, and when I say that, the Holy Spirit is speaking to people in your audience, and the Holy Spirit is giving them the choice to immediately make the transition. And the minute they make the transition, they will discover that the tide of the battle in their life is turned instantaneously. And they cross over the River Jordan instantaneously. So even though I'm talking about the great spiritual battle facing America, 
the Holy Spirit is speaking to many of your listeners and he is offering them uh, by supernaturally communicating to them. He's telling them, if you're willing to make this decision now, you will instantaneously see a complete turning of the tide of your spiritual battle. You'll see things start to move in your favor. But if you insist on, re on resisting my voice, and if you insist on taking up the weapons of the, the three dimensions, you're going to go down, and you're going to go down hard. And there's nothing God can do about it. So now we talk about this great spiritual battle in America. God has a plan for America. Satan wants to destroy America. God still has a plan for America. But he has to work out of his own choice through partnership with his people. And so the Lord is also speaking to people who call themselves Christians in America. And he's giving them the same opportunity to make a decision. And the minute they choose to make that decision, there will be an immediate, instantaneous uh, turning of the tide of the spiritual battle that will be measurable and observable on television and many other places. And, and here, here, here it is. Because the church and Christians in America have chosen to fight a very, very powerful spiritual battle, which involves not just uh, the fate and fortune of Americans, but it involves the salvation of souls across the world through evangelism and the desperate cry of weaker nations and people that are being tortured, beheaded, and massacred, especially our fellow Christians who are being raped, tortured, beaten, burnt alive, and no one in our government lifts a finger to help them. That's an atrocity before God. And that, but, but it is imperative that we make the decision so that the spiritual battle is turned, because when the spiritual battle is turned, you will see uh, an America rise with leadership that will use uh, benevolent, in a benevolent sense, America's military power to do what is truly right and to intervene and rescue our fellow believers in Jesus Christ that are being raped, tortured, murdered, and butchered by the millions. We'll see that will be a measurable result, and that's why the stakes are so high, and that's why everybody needs to really pay attention to what God's saying, and for crying out loud, stop playing church. God considers your playing church vomit, puke. It's the latest in church. You're neither hot or cold, you're lukewarm. Jesus says, I vomit you out of my mouth. But he's giving you an opportunity to repent and clothe you with power from on high so that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. So now, how do we turn the tide of the spiritual battle? We have to come to the place that David came to. The church in Jesus Christ and Christians are attempting to, to wage this high-level, multi-dimensional war for the heart and soul of America by using three-dimensional 
law-abiding, peaceful weapons. They're trying to use the strategies and the tactics of the world to defeat spiritual enemies. And whenever the church does that, they will always lose. So the minute that they stop relying on the armor of the flesh, and they start to use, by faith, uh, the weapons of God, the weapons that are mighty uh, through God to the pulling down of strongholds, the minute they begin to learn how to uh, take advantage of the supernatural resources that God has from them and pull power out of the dimension of the kingdom of heaven, they can release spiritual authority over America, they can change the direction of America, they can change the political landscape, the economic landscape, they can bring healing to the racial divide. You, you, we will see the beginnings and, and the transformations and a, and a, and a much anticipated overdue turning of the tide of the spiritual battle the moment God's people stop looking at reality as if it was simply a materialistic reality and everything that we can do is simply what we can do in three dimensions. That is sin. And it cuts us off from the supernatural power of God. Now, the high-level people who uh, are, are administrating this world and ruling this world on behalf of Satan are not relying simply on three-dimensional power. Case in point, Sir and Hadrian Collider. Case in point, Nikola Tesla. Nikola Tesla was pulling all kinds of technology and free energy and all kinds of incredible uh, science and inventions out of another dimension because he was communicating to spirit guides. Luciferian, but he understood the principle that, that the ability to, to, to develop advanced scientific technological solutions is not merely based on three-dimensional uh, 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 you know, inventions and, and playing with mathematical formulas. He was pulling it out of another dimension. And you see the Illuminati pulling it out of another dimension. Another case in point is what they're trying to say. They're sending a message. That fake reenactment, whether it was fake or real, I don't know, I guess it's fake, of the satanic sacrifice of a, of a, of a naked uh, sacrificial victim uh, by, by, by uh, an, a, a, a play, a, a theatrical production of a satanic cult sacrifice uh, right in front of the, uh, the headquarters of the CERN Hadron Collider. Most likely that was a, a play. Possibly it was real, but I think it was a play. But in any case, Satanists were sending a message loud and clear. There's a reason why satanic temples are being erected all over the United States, and, sat and Satanism is a fast-growing religion. There's a reason why Wicca, which relies on the supernatural, is the fastest-growing religion in America, and there's a reason why evangelical Christianity is a quickly dying religion because there's no reliance on the supernatural power of God. So there has to be a radical transition in thought where you, you, you download the mind of Christ 
You renew your mind with the Word of God, which means you change your perception and evaluation of reality based on what God's Word says and not, you know, what the public school system told you life is all about. And then you begin to use your faith or your belief and act upon uh, the realities of, of, of Almighty God. He is Almighty. And he, he's waiting to turn the tide in America. On June, uh, on July 4th, 2012, I had a vision where I was taken up, uh, looking down upon the North American continent from a satellite point of view, and I saw a great biblical revival break out from the West Coast and move slowly across the United States to the East Coast. And then I saw the glory of God begin to light up millions of people, they began to, to rise, and the Lord said to me, they're starting to rise. They're starting to rise in prayer. And as the glory of God illuminated countless millions of people, and as the glory of God moved slowly from the West Coast to the East Coast, I saw the faces of God's people illuminated as they were starting to rise in prayer. Now, God didn't tell and it was a promise from God of a great awakening and a biblical revival. God did not tell me it was a done deal. He said, this is his desire, and if my people will seek my face and repent like the pilgrims and Puritans did, I will do that for you. So God's waiting. We can turn this whole thing tonight. I mean, literally, because it just takes a remnant. If two or more of you agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done for you by my Father who is in heaven. Two or more. So if you have a remnant, and that remnant believes and, lay, and lays hold of God, you release the power of God, the, the, the resources of God. The, the angelic armies can be released into the United States. Massive angelic... There are massive... You know, people... This is going to be hard for a lot of people to process. And if it's hard for them to process, they need to put their personal opinion down they need to surrender their prejudice and read the book of Revelation and other books in the Bible and see what God says about the existence of his angels and then get their thinking lined up in synchronization with what God says reality is about. There are angelic armies of the Most High God. They exist in massive number. These are not fallen angels. These are the angelic armies of Almighty God, and they have uh, rankings like the generals of God's angelic armies would be uh, high-powered angels like Michael and uh, Gabriel. And these angelic armies uh, are composed of millions and millions of angels. And these angelic armies are in the throne room of God. They're in heaven. And they are uh, millions in number. And they're very powerful beings. And they're real beings. But they're angels. And America is a spiritual battlefield. And because of satanic rituals and, and, and occult rituals and, and, and uh, sin and practices which serve as satanic uh, uh, rituals, portals, portals have been opened for the release of all kinds of demonic powers and fallen angels to invade our nation. And there has been an absence 
of the angelic armies of the Most High God. Now, the armies of the Most High God, the angelic armies, are in the throne room of God right now as we're talking and your listeners are listening. And this isn't a fairy table tale. They need to crack open the book of Revelation and read the account of what the throne room of God is all about. But God doesn't fulfill prophecy apart with apart from a partnership with his people. His people were not created to sit on their butts and wait for God to do all the work. It's a partnership. So God moves through his people. That's why he has preachers. And the angelic armies, God is waiting to send his angelic armies and his power, his awesome power, to turn the tide of the spiritual battle. And it can be done tonight, and it can be done in a matter of minutes, if and if there is a critical mass of listeners who will repent of their unbelief, stop playing games with Almighty God, stop acting like a uh, church-playing clown Christian, and remember that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by spiritual force, and are willing to lay hold of God with a mustard seed of faith, we can, through prayer, open the door in the invisible realm, and God will send his angelic armies into America. He will send his power. And if there's a sufficient number willing to obey the Lord and actually uh, engage in this kind of prayer, we unlock the beginning of a transference of power as God sends his angelic armies and his power we will see it may be in a process of incrementalism and it may require a consistency and a repetition of this kind of prayer I'm not saying it's a snap your finger situation I don't know, I'm not God I suspect that we're going to have to lay hold of him and staying in the posture of laying hold of him that's waging war, persistence. But if we're if we'll do that, we we will see in measurable ways uh, God beginning to move miraculously in our nation, and we will see in measurable ways a turning of the tide of the spiritual battle. It will be just as measurable as the days of the first great awakening in America. Amen. You know, it's something, folks, when you can just sit back and listen as we've been doing the Paul McGuire, paulmcguire.us, to listen and hear him say, well, hear him discuss the application, the potential for revival. We're not playing church. We shouldn't be playing church. Those who are wrong-headed, the spiritual battle is multidimensional. This is important stuff. This is the practical application. And yes, you know, we can make America great again, but it's not going to happen merely in the political. The spiritual is what counts, right? That's obviously, you've mm-hmm. heard everyone say that. There are no political solutions to spiritual problems, folks. We're going to be right back with Paul McGuire. Stay right right there. 
as he is joined with us for the whole show. If you are joining us late or have joined us late, you're going to want to go back and listen to this from the beginning as Paul has brought a consistent and powerful message uh, to the Hagman and Hagman Report this evening. And I'm going to turn it back over to you, Paul, and let you let you finish here. Um, it's been a fantastic show so far, and everything you've said is uh, very important. Yeah, and you know what, Paul? I just want to mention this. It, to everyone listening out there, please... If you haven't done so already, uh, The Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, fantastic book, different from the first. If you have the first, you're going to want the second. If you have, if you want the second, you're going to want to get the first as well. Uh, the, the, but, but this is totally different. Prophecy of the Future of America, what a great, fantastic book. And then PaulMcGuire.us is his website. And I just want to thank everyone for listening, for joining us. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you so much for your prayers, for your kind support, for being a part of our lives and for understand and for really being helping us to deliver such a wonderful message by a gifted man again Paul McGuire uh, a man I consider a brother a friend Dino Jodos as well and uh, we really respect him we are so pleased and honored that he's with us uh, go ahead Paul I just want to throw that in there well I appreciate that and um, you know uh it's a combination of the um, uh, the spiritual uh, weapons and uh, power uh, as God is our source, pulling it out of another dimension, the, dim- the dimension of the kingdom of heaven, <clears throat> and but then it's also uh, taking care of business in three dimensions. The reason I am emphasize the uh, spiritual dimension because because most People and most Christians uh, pay no attention to it, and that's really the primary dimension. On a, on a practical uh, sense, you know, you were uh, had, had your advertisers, and it's it's uh, Christians when they listen to a radio program like yours, and they hear advertisers on your program. Well. It's very practical, and I believe God expects this, that you support the advertisers that support your program, um, because that's being a good steward. Why would you support the advertisers that are supporting a network that's ripping your faith to shreds every night? No, you, you support the advertisers <laughs> that, that, that are speaking about what you believe in, so like the Hagman and Hagman Report. Supporting the advertisers of the Hagman and Hagman Report is is being a good steward economically, and um, that goes for supporting uh, uh, Christian ministries that God is calling you to support. It also includes praying uh, for the Hagmans and the Hagman and Hagman Report, um, and not just taking them for granted, but but, li- but becoming regular. Uh, prayer warriors for them and intercession because look uh, they uh, are on the front line spiritually and they 
uh, as the body of Christ, we're commanded to pray for one another. So uh, pray for them and their families and pray for their guests. <clears throat> and then, of course, we pray for one another. When people come to my church, I, uh, I have always, I mean, our church always has an extensive period of intercessory prayer. Uh, I've always prayed for people, always, because I've been in the ministry for, 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 for forever. <laughs> um, but the Lord spoke to me recently at the church and he said, you know, I want you to going, to go back to, to laying hands on people uh, on their foreheads and praying for them. No pressure. If they don't want to be prayed for, they don't have to be prayed for. But, but I found that most of the people that, that, that come to the church do want to be prayed for. And miraculously, you know, the Spirit of the Lord ministers to them. They get set free and they, uh, that's how, that's, we, we pray for one another. That, because we're the living supernatural body of Christ and we share one thing in common. Well, we share many things in common, but the primary thing we share in common is that uh, we are born again. Jesus Christ lives inside us. The Holy Spirit lives inside us. And we are the children of God. Um, you know, that's not politically correct, but that's what the Word says. And we are to, if, if you want to see the release of God's blessing and power and purposes in your life, supernaturally, we're to love one, to, to love one another. Uh, the word says in First John that we're to love one another, and it's when we love one another that all men will know that uh, we are his disciples. If we're not loving one another, then then our preaching of the gospel rings hollow. So one of the ways, uh, for Dr. Francis Schaeffer wrote a book uh, on this many years ago, and he had a profound influence on my theology. He wrote a book called The Mark of a Christian. And the basic message was the, 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 the way you, the mark of any true Christian, the way you can tell almost immediately uh, whether or not somebody who says they're a Christian is a real Christian is if uh, they love one another and if they speak the truth in love, because God is love. Now that is very, very simple. But if you, if you do not see love, and if you do not see the speaking and, and truth in love, then most likely that person is not a true Christian. They're just pretending to be. And, and, and how does that play out? Well, love believes the best of somebody else. You know, when you're around a true Christian, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they believe the best about you. I mean, that doesn't mean you, you throw your perception out the window, but you believe the best out of somebody. And that's just one aspect. You know, love is patient, love is kind, and, and, and many other things. And the most important thing is love. Now, <clears throat> a back, and, and by the way, love is, the agape love of Jesus Christ is something that is uh, missing in our nation and miss, missing in our society. And uh, the, the supernatural power of God is released uh, every time we make ourselves available to be uh, uh, conduits of God's uh, agape love, that selfless love of Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit can produce. Every time we make the choice 
to love people and put that love in action, the love of God in action, we uh, release the supernatural power of God. So, for example, uh, these racial wars that are being stirred up in our society, when when believers in Jesus Christ of dis- different races get together and different ethnic groups and love one another, um, it's amazing how that spreads uh, in a society. You know, small acts that maybe nobody sees, it spreads virally in a society, and it, changed the, it changes the spiritual atmosphere uh, in society. Now, um, America is at the most critical juncture uh, that it has ever been in. And it's not an exaggeration when you hear many people say this, not just me, but many people, and many of them are secular people. They're historians and analysts and uh, political thinkers and philosophers, but they're all saying the same thing about America. People who have done their homework and studied history, they're saying uh, we're at the crossroads right now for, for many reasons, the election is one reason, but there's many other reasons. Um, and we are either going to become an increasingly totalitarian state uh, with a loss of freedoms, with the persecution of Christians, with uh, increasingly lower levels of economic prosperity, and America will begin to very quickly take on the attributes of, of uh, a, a much poorer, uh, harsh, brutal, uh, quasi-police state society. And that's happening already, if we continue on our present path. So we're at the crossroads. That's, if, if we were to look into like a, uh, uh, a computer which has programmed uh, the direction of our nation, right now our nation, America, is programmed to go in that direction. That's that's where we're navigating. We need to interrupt that programming by calling upon God and his supernatural power and uh, asking God to supernaturally inter- to intervene in uh, our nation and the direction of our nation so that God can supernaturally chart a different course for us. And that's still possible. We have not passed the point of no return. I mean, we're, we're very close to it, but we haven't passed the point of no return. And so anybody who has a conscience, anybody who says they love their neighbors them, themselves, anybody who claims to love God, uh, cannot sit idly back, play church, and go into a state of denial while our country is hurtling towards a, a very dark, brutal, totalitarian state. Um, that to, to say you're a Christian and to allow that to happen uh, is an impossibility. You can't possibly be a true Christian. So, Jesus told us uh, that we were to preach the gospel to all nations, uh, make disciples of all nations, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, and to occupy until he comes, or do business until he comes. Which simply means that America was a blessed Christian nation, imperfect, had some serious sins, but was still blessed above all nations on earth. And it was, until recently, and it still is to some degree, a light to the world. We need to 
uh, occupy the territory that our spiritual forefathers won for us in the first great awakening, the second great awakening, and uh, what the pilgrims and Puritans did. Uh, we need to occupy our nation spiritually and in a law-abiding manner. We need to uh, grab the steering wheel and not let it go uh, in, into the direction uh, of, the, of the abyss. And that means that we have to interrupt the, the, the programming because the programming is Luciferian. There are people at very high levels in the Illuminati who are suing a Lucifer, and they are engineering the chaos that we see all around us. And God's people need to be aware of that, and if they want to know how to be aware, they need to read my books like A Prophecy of the Future of America, the first one, and the second one, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, A Mass Awakening, and get up to speed. Because uh, the, the engineers and the, the elite that are, that are ruling this world and ruling this nation have planned for America to be a head of the new world order, uh, to be the new Atlantis, and to be uh, uh, part of the new world order in a, a Luciferian global society with a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economic system. And some people believe that uh, America uh, is going to turn into uh, Babylon, or may already be Babylon. In any case, we have a, a pre-planned Luciferian future because the invisible elite, the technocratic elite, or the scientific dictatorship, or the occult elite, or the Illuminati, have planned to, through a strategy called uh, order out of chaos, or new world order, new world order out of chaos, and the game plan is to generate chaos at every single level of our society and crisis. So racial chaos, economic chaos, moral chaos, uh, uh, ideological chaos, religious chaos, spiritual chaos, because in a state of confusion and uh, people being emotionally wounded, they are able uh, to accomplish their Luciferian agenda. And it is, they say with their own mouths and books, that's the cornerstone of their strategy for a new world order. Now, eventually that new world order will come into being, as the Bible said it would, with the tribulation period and the Antichrist and the false prophet and, and, and the coming one world government, one world religion, and one world economic system. But we're, we, we haven't arrived there yet. We're moving in that direction. And by seeking the face of God in a temporal sense... And I don't know how many years temporal means. It could be five years, 25 years, 50 years. I don't know. Only God knows. But we need to, and we need to, we need to be faithful to occupy until he comes and to do business until he comes. And the results are up to the Lord. But we don't stand here and do nothing. So how do we occupy until he comes? Well, part of the reason we occupy until he comes is Jesus Christ told us to do that. But also, another translation reads, do business until he comes. Now, let's go back to the Canaanites, uh, the Phoenicians, uh, uh, the, the, the people on Mount Hermon, 
the, the Phoenicians going into Great Britain, the Illuminati, the, the centralized banking empire. Let's go back to Satan's biography in Ezekiel 28. He's a master trader and businessman and commerce. And then we read uh, when Babylon uh, reemerges, uh, and I discuss this in our book, uh, The Babylon Code, which, which continues to be the number one selling pro- prophecy book in the world, according to Amazon. Uh, in The Babylon Code, we talk about this. Uh, Mystery Babylon returns, and you see this long description about the economics, about the trading, about the merchandising that is controlled by Lucifer and the Babylonian system and the world system in the last days. This is the the Luciferian system, the monetary system, the Luciferian control grid that began before the flood and it, it is now rising with tremendous power before our very eyes. In the middle of that, now remember, Lucifer... Uh, controls through debt slavery. He controls through monetary system. Uh, economics. That's how he runs the world. He's a master trader, uh, a master businessman. Critical to understand that. You've got to lock that down and you've got to master it. You can't understand Bible prophecy unless you understand the money system. So when Jesus says, do business until I come... We need to, in order for us to obey the commandment to do business until I come, we gotta open up what Jesus meant by that world, that word business. But I'm gonna give you a short term definition of what Jesus meant by the term business when Jesus said, uh, do business until I come. And that means everybody listening is to do business until Christ comes. That means we don't rely on three-dimensional resources. We don't rely on just the physical dimension for our source. We recognize that God is our source, capital S. We recognize that it is God that gives the power to, to make wealth, to get wealth. We recognize ultimately, as the Illuminati understands on the dark side, that wealth, that favor, that prosperity, that victory that all kinds of things, uh, uh, prosperity, uh, the release of destinies, is pulled out of a fourth dimensional supply center known as the kingdom of heaven, and it's released by faith in prayer to Jesus Christ, and by worshiping Christ, and by obeying God and his word. We pull in to the physical earth the supernatural resources we need. My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The the need that we have, the needs that we have, comes from our God supernaturally supplying all of our need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Glory is the other dimension. Glory is the spiritual world. All of our needs are being pulled in from glory or another dimension. you got to nail that truth or you're going to be a buffoon and a loser and a failure. And that's not God's plan for your life. And then to do business until we come, we need to renew our minds with the Word of God. We have to become smart because God can make us smart. We renew our minds with the Word of God. 
we master the disciplines God has given us to master. So whatever job, career, or whatever he's given you, you better nail it. You better be the best that you can be at whatever you're called to be, truck driver or whatever. Because God, the law of promotion means when you're faithful in little things, you get promoted. Now, doing business until, I come, until he comes also speaks directly to the fact that Lucifer, the temporary god of this world, is the master businessman and has set up the world business system as his his supernatural control grid over mankind administrated by people like the Illuminati and international bankers, etc., etc. He's controlling the earth through business. And part of Lucifer's control of the earth through business is he restricts the things of God. He puts up the roadblocks of the things of God so he can continue to keep God's people in captivity and and the human race into captivity so he can, he so that he, he can bring them into hell for all eternity with him he's about grabbing souls okay now to do business until jesus comes means we are to learn how to apply the supernatural principles from god's word we need to learn how to master those spiritual dynamics from God so that we can pull in the supernatural supply, the supernatural wisdom, the supernatural creativity, the supernatural entrepreneurship, the supernatural wealth multiplication necessary to drive Satan and the demonic powers and those that are serving Satan from monopolizing the resources, the territory, the avenues of media communication, the arts, the entertainment, the world of religion, and all the other areas that Lucifer and his demonic powers are, are legally controlling. So, in a sense, Satan is illegally occupying what he should not be occupying. He's occupying it because God's people are AWOL. And by default, he now occupies it. And that's why America is, is in such a horrible place right now. So we change. We make that instantaneous choice. We change direction. And now, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we occupy until Jesus Christ comes. And that's integrated with doing business until he comes. Because when we do business until he comes, it gives us the power and resources to occupy until he comes. And that releases revival, and that changes the direction of America. Now, having said that, and you can get more information at paulmcguire.us, can I lead us in a brief prayer? How many minutes do I have? Uh, we got about uh, four and a half. Go ahead, Paul. Okay. Um, I want to ask uh, you to uh, join us in prayer. I want to ask you uh, humbly in the name of Jesus Christ to obey the Holy Spirit because I know the Holy Spirit is calling people and he's calling us to pray together so that he can release his supernatural power in and through us, his supernatural resources, and so that he can supernaturally enable us to occupy until he comes and change the direction of our nation, which is in crisis. So I want to ask you to join us in prayer. And uh, I'm going to pray, and you can pray in your own words if you like, or simply repeat my words, but the key is that we pray together. 
and we're going to believe God together for the release of his power and for his supernatural intervention. We're going to believe that God can do that because he can. So, so repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus Christ, we come to you. We first ask you to forgive us individually of our sins, Lord. All of us have fallen short of your standards. And so, Lord, you know where each of us have failed and the multiple places that we failed, and we ask you to forgive us and cleanse us with the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for doing that, Lord, and we receive your righteousness by faith. Lord, we repent over the church in America, which is backslidden, laid a sin, powerless, denying reality. And even though there are many Christians in revival who compose a remnant, uh, the greater body of Christ is disobeying you on all levels. And as intercessors, we repent for that disobedience and we ask that the blood of Jesus Christ would cleanse the church of all sin and that you would send revival on the church in America, God, in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, by accepting your righteousness by faith, we come boldly to the throne of grace to find an ever-present help in time of need. And, Lord, we come before your throne, and we ask you right now in the name of Jesus, we ask you, God, to supernaturally intervene with your power in what is going on in the United States of America right now, God. Lord, we ask that you would release your power, that you would send your angelic armies into the earth and into our nation. And Lord Jesus, we ask that you would raise yourself up from your throne and dispatch your angelic armies and exercise your authority, Jesus. And Lord, we're asking you, in your name, to change the direction of the spiritual battle. We repent of the sins of America. And we ask, God, that you would turn America into the direction that you wanted to go in, and that you would empower us to partner, you, partner with you in that, God. We ask for mercy, Jesus, but we ask that you would put the brakes on destruction we ask that you would give us righteous and godly leaders. We ask, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would reach out your hand and protect America and strengthen it and raise up forces of righteousness and godliness at every quarter, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are desperate and, and crying out to you for your deliverance. Move in America, God. Move powerfully, Jesus. Change the direction. Rever reverse the destruction. Change the programming, God. And send your power of your spirit. Now, Lord, we know that we are not worthy in and of ourselves or collectively as a people or a church. So we ask this by applying the blood of Jesus Christ over our actions, lives, and thoughts we ask God in the name of Jesus that you would pour out a genuine biblical revival and a genuine third great awakening, Lord, that you would send your power into our nation and revival and salvation would occur in the name of Jesus.
And finally, Lord, we ask that you would supernaturally strengthen every one of your people, and especially your remnant. And we ask God in the name of Jesus right at this moment that the supernatural power of God would descend upon every listener of the Hagman and Hagman Report, wherever they are, and in their weakness and frailty and struggles and needs, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would pour out your Spirit upon them now, God, in the name of Jesus. We ask, God, in Jesus' name, that you would touch them now with your supernatural power, that they would know your healing, that they would know your anointing, God, and that you would break yokes, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would supernaturally uh, provide provision, guidance, favor, and rescue. Lord, touch every person that is praying this prayer. Let them know that you are a God of deliverance and healing, if we will call upon you, which we are, God, and work miracles among your people. Lord, we pray for the Hagman and Hagman Report, Doug and Joe and their families, and this entire uh, operation. We ask that your angelic armies would surround them, that they would be under the supernatural covering of the Most High God, that they would be under the shadow of the Almighty, and that, Lord God Almighty, we ask in the name of Jesus that any principality or power or demonic force that would attempt to come against them we agree right now in the name of Jesus that any uh, attack, either in conception or before conception or in action, whether it be spiritual, demonic, whether it be uh, witchcraft or a satanic ritual, or whether it be the work of uh, deceitful humans, we ask in the name of Jesus that those attacks would be destroyed, they would be protected. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, Paul. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. you. Thank you. Powerful. Folks, that'll do it for us tonight. PaulMcGuire.us is his website. A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017. That's his new book. Until tomorrow, God bless.